Have you ever found yourself to be lazy? Be honest for just a moment. If you go back in your mind, right, maybe today, maybe this past week, maybe the past month, but there's a very high possibility that you wanted to achieve something more than you actually executed on. Don't feel badly about this. This is something that I see consistently across the board. All of us are wired the same way in some capacity. We have a million things we want to get done. And as it comes time to wind down our day, sometimes we end up justifying why we don't push forward. Today, I'm going to share with you eight different specific terms of laziness and then what to do with each one of them. And more importantly than that, I'm actually going to give you the insight and the information that I share with my clients. You see, every week, I have a group of brilliant individuals that I get the distinct honor and privilege of spending an hour and a half with. They are part of a life optimization group. It's a $97 a month commitment. They get access to tribe and community and advanced PDFs. And a once a week call that is live. We're all on Zoom and we dive into this stuff. This past week's call just yesterday was on this exact same topic and there was such an overwhelming response of positivity, I feel compelled to share it with you. Just as importantly, I feel compelled to invite you to join us inside of this group. It's $97 a month. It's month to month. There is no obligation to remain on and you get to run with like-minded people. Currently, there's about 25 people in the group. Now that I put the cheesy sales pitch to the side and can shoot you straight, I want to dive right into the laziness mind hacks and what to do about them and where even I think laziness comes from. Because when, we're, when we get right down to it, when we're honest with ourselves, we've all had days where we've lacked motivation. It just is. But by the nature of having days where we felt lazy, then we also have days where we found our rhythm. We've been able to accomplish anything. How great did that feel for you? I'm sure right now you remember the last day that you had that was like that. Many of us refer to that as flow. The things just were working. So how incredible would it be to live your life in that state instead of trapped in that state of what we'll call laziness? It's almost impossible to even put it into words, but that could be of value. Today, I'm going to share with you exactly how to do just that. Keep in mind as we go through this, it's going to sound very simple, as most things do. But simple does not equate to easy. They are certainly two different things. And quite often, in my opinion, from myself and the clients that I serve, if things are not overtly complicated, our brain is almost wired to believe they're not going to work. Where it's my personal belief system that we overcomplicate everything. And that simplicity actually wins this game called life. And so these eight simple things will have massive impact for you if you simply implement them. But this... This training would be for two specific types of people, right? What I'm going to share with you. First type of person is if you've defined yourself as a lazy person and you want to overcome it. That's, that's certainly one person. I, at different points in my life, have raised my hand high in the sky and said, I'm just lazy, right? I'm not getting enough stuff done, not really dialed into my purpose. I just feel lazy. And then the other version of people, which I also qualify for this, is those that define themselves as maybe overachievers. And from that standpoint, they begin to judge what they call quote unquote lazy people. Think about that, right? Like you are one of those two people. We all are. You either say that you're lazy in your mind and you don't produce, or you produce at a high level and you judge the people who don't produce as high as you do. Fancy way of me boxing you into a corner and saying, this training works. So let's dive into it from, from this standpoint. And let's talk about if you're the achiever. If you're the first archetype we just discussed. If so, you're probably busy most of the time. And from that stand standpoint of being busy, you end up feeling a certain amount of anxiety and guilt when you aren't working or doing something productive. This qualifies for me. I am more this person. 
And when I start to feel guilt or anxiety, I then feel tension, right? I feel constricted. And then that transfers into the rest of my life, right? I start to project that onto Gianna, our daughter, my wife, Lindsay. You know, I, I cram schedules full for every person around. Like we have to do all these things and all this time or we're, we're not getting ahead. It's actually just not true. Think about in your children's life, your husband or wife's life, or maybe even in your own, how many days have come to an end where you're exhausted and you need to sedate yourself in front of a television or the glass of alcohol to calm yourself down. It's because our culture has had this bias towards achievement. It's what we do. It's what we set up. And the bias towards achievement, what ends up happening is busyness and productivity end up being signs of success. And so you take the Gary Vaynerchuk methodology, and there's certainly nothing wrong with Gary V. A multimillionaire, incredible businessman, but the hustle, hustle, grind, grind doesn't have to be the only path to success. But what stands in the way of achievement and success? It's actually the way we frame laziness. Because from the way we frame laziness, we start to dive into consistency. And from a standpoint of consistency, with a clearly defined goal and vision, you're able to take incremental steps on a daily basis towards quote-unquote success. We have to reframe laziness. Unless, of course, you're the other side of the coin, which is the lazy person. Quote-unquote lazy. I'm certainly not calling you lazy. See, the nemesis of most achievers is laziness. So much so, for those of you that are more of the biblical belief system, more steadfast in Christianity, I believe, and I certainly did not go to a Catholic school, nor do I claim to know all of the seven deadly sins, but I was a big fan of the movie Seven. And one of those sins is sloth. Sloth is essentially laziness. Right? It, we've, we've demonized it at such a capacity that it's one of the seven deadly sins. And sloth or laziness ends up being failing to do something that you should. We can even refer to that as evil based off this Christianity type of ideology. And so what happens is us achievers, right, myself, you if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you're an achiever, we're massively accepted in society. Like We're the ones, right? You and me. But the lazy person, quote unquote, is not accepted. They're ostracized, they're ridiculed, they're cast aside. And what ends up happening is when an individual or group ends up pushing away a quality of consciousness, it actually gets pushed back into our own subconscious, into the shadows of our mind. Which is why quite often I work with clients on shadow integration. Right? I mean, I have no problem saying at this point in life my specialty is taking business owners, entrepreneurs that are motivated, right, executives, and helping them two to three times their income in as little as 90 days. And we do that together because they want to spend more time with their family and have more free time without having the fear of failure of their business or their bank account and things like that. But from that standpoint, with that being the desired outcome, there's still all the pieces and parts that go into rewiring your subconscious. There's still all the systems and processes that are required to actually get your business there. There's still the daily rituals and routines that will put you in personal power. It's more than just business. That's why I believe so many people fail. But another reason why there's this duality, why we struggle to see which side we should fit on, is because we believe we have to have a choice between being an achiever or being a lazy person. Right? They're two sides of the same coin. At least in our culture right now, where, you know, again, if we're successful, that means we're an achiever. And if you're lazy, it would mean you're a loser. Right? That's if we view it from that side of the same coin. And so none of us really want to be losers. I'm sure yourself, as I'm saying this, there's no chance you actually want to be identified as a loser, even if you have felt that way before. You want to be an achiever. You want to win. You want to play big. But the divide that exists between quote-unquote winners and losers, or achievers and lazy people, is actually a complete illusion. 
It's manufactured. Society, your psyche and mine together as a collective consciousness, have created this bifurcation of definition that then exponentially compounds the problem that exists. See, the reality of life is the only definition that ever exists is the one you give yourself. And that's a, that's a tough concept for many. Maybe as I say that, you're like, how does that work? Well, if I say you're lazy and you say you're an achiever, my words don't really matter because inside, if you're programmed with a steadfast nature, then you're an achiever. It wouldn't matter what I would say to you. But the reality of life actually is that we are all things and we are no thing. So from that standpoint, you can be both a lazy person and an achiever, or you can decide to be neither at any given moment in time. The only thing you couldn't be is one or the other. It doesn't work that way. See, some of us, like myself, identify ourselves as achievers. And me, pounding my chest hard, an overachiever. I know I get more done in a day than most get done in a week. I know I get more done in a week than most get in a month. And I get more done in a month than most people get done in a year. Boy, was that a mouthful of jargon that doesn't really much matter. Who am I to equate what I do to what you do? And the other side of the fence could be the one that you're sitting on, where you see yourself as lazy, where you're suppressing your you know, proactive achieving part, your creator part. You're neither one, but you're both. Ultimately, us, person, us, us big achievers, we can't keep suppressing laziness. See, most of us personal development work, most of this self-help stuff, most of the stuff that I share on this show is all created in an effort to create self-discipline and put a cage around our lazy part. Right? Have you ever thought about how you overcome your laziness? I mean, if you're anything like me, I hate my lazy side. I condemn my lazy side. I push against my lazy side. But from that very standpoint, it only strengthens the laziness. That's how our brains work. What we resist persists 100% of the time, especially as it pertains to how our subconscious is wired. And in the end, when we do this for long enough, the unconscious or subconscious force ends up winning. We become sick. A disease forms, a dis-ease. Break, break down the word disease. A dis-ease. Your body is express, expressing a lack of ease because we are resisting something that is inherently part of us. You might not get a disease. Maybe you start to acquire an acute chronic pain. Maybe you get restless leg syndrome. Maybe you can't sleep at night. All these things. See, when you shun the lazy part of yourself, the lazy part's eventually going to strike down upon you in some capacity. And so let's talk for a second on how this laziness was born. I think it's just as important. It starts really back when we're a child. No big surprise, most of our conscious operating system, and more specifically subconscious operating system, were developed way before you or I had a chance to really know what we were getting into. And so as a child, you had no responsibilities, more than likely. I know I certainly didn't have that many. And I know as a child, I got to ask a bunch of questions. Right? I was curious. I explored the world. Everything was something to gain or learn. Until I was left alone, right? Probably much like yourself, playing with toys or matchbox cars or Legos or whatever they were. I got to just zone out. But in that, in that place, your environment, just like mine, started to mold my mind. And that environment included my parents. And my parents, just like yours, had the responsibility of the burden of themselves and of us. Now, as mature adults, like you or I are, this certainly doesn't quote-unquote feel like a burden because we should be ready for this stage in life. But let's be real for a second, shall we, parents? 
If we're honest with ourselves, the majority of us were not ready to be a parent in the capacity that we were at the time in which we became one. We followed a hierarchical step towards becoming a quote-unquote more sophisticated or better or more holistically full adult. And we had children or children came into our lives way before we were ready. Because if we look at developmental psychology, few people ever really reach mature adulthood. And almost no one, listen to this, almost no one, according to developmental psychology studies conducted by Johns Hopkins, almost no one reaches mature adulthood and almost no one does in their 20s and 30s when they're raising children. No kidding why the kids take the trauma that we gave them, just like you and I have. And as it pertains to laziness, I don't know about you, but in my household, my dad would come home from work, and if I was sitting around doing nothing, he would say, why are you sitting around? Go outside and do something. That message somehow absorbed into my subconscious. If you've heard a comparable message, I'm sure it did the same to you. And from that place of judgment, feeling judged by our parents for sitting around and doing nothing, for me it was my father, it actually starts to breed laziness. Almost always that laziness is instilled or bred in us from our parents or our teachers. I don't know about you, but I didn't inherently like school. I liked seeing my friends. I liked recess. At certain points, I loved lunchtime. But I certainly didn't enjoy the process of school, and I didn't enjoy homework. I mean, but why would I? School, as it pertains to at least us here in the U.S., has made learning a tedious chore, which then kills creativity in children. And then from that standpoint, without engagement in our creative side during our educational process, it also began to fuel the lazy part of our subconscious. Take that, add it to the fact when I was young, right, Nintendo just came out. Maybe as I matured, Sega Genesis came out. And we had television. So sight, sound, and motion stimulates our brains and dominates our attention. It's game over, right? The laziness keeps coming back in, and then we start to define laziness, and then our parents get mad, and school doesn't help, and the cycle continues. So in childhood, if we can accept the fact that the environment that we live in gives birth to the lazy part, then as adults, most of us seek ways to overcome that laziness. The alternative to that is that you've ran from it, and you just succumb that it's just part of who you are and it's going to be there for the rest of your life. But I'm going to shed some light on that for you right now. See, I found there's eight different faces of laziness. And like procrastination, laziness, laziness ends up being a symptom, not a root cause. And so we want to talk about the causes, or the, I'm sorry, we want to talk about the symptoms of laziness, so then we can work through them with actionable items. So there's eight levels of laziness. Number one is confusion. And that's going to be the times where you say, like, I just don't know what to do. Sitting at home, I don't know what to do next. Number two is an erotic fear where you say, I just can't. I just can't pull that off. The third way to look at this is a fixed mindset that I'm afraid I'll fail or I'll look stupid. Fourth step is lethargy, right? I'm too tired. I just don't have the energy. It's been a really long day today. Number five is apathy. I really just don't care about anything. Number six is regret. I'm far too old to get started. It's way too late in life for me to do that. Identity is number seven, which is, of course, well, I'm just a lazy person. It's just, it's just who I am. It's just how I'm wired. And then number eight is shame. I shouldn't be so lazy. 
Do any of these sound familiar to you? I mean, at some point, they probably all have, right? But behind each voice ends up being a message. And these sediments, these things that go on in our mind, actually provide information. And from a standpoint of receiving information, we can make changes to a situation. There's nothing more to these voices than information. So I want to look at each one of these patterns and help you overcome the laziness. The first standpoint is, right, that confusion. I don't know what to do. There's a chance in your life, depending on what you're getting into, that could be the absolute truth. But it's just a part of you that's expressing this voice that doesn't know what to do. And so the quickest way around this, when you hear that voice, is to dial back into your center, the greatest version of you. And to dial back into your center, there's a bunch of different exercises you could go through. If you're a little more advanced on this path, maybe it's a meditation. Maybe you stop and you just meditate and you find your center that way. You align your chakras, you, you do whatever you need to, you tap into the universe, and that's the way you do it. There's a chance that's probably not you, though. Meditation is a scary thing that we don't understand completely. And so if it's not meditation, perhaps it's just a long drive where you can zone out. Maybe the window's down, no radio on, just enjoying life. But if you're like me, I'm in an office during the day. I'm working with clients. I'm helping people all across the globe increase their income while leveraging their time so they can spend more time with their family without fear of their business failing. So I don't get to just go hop in the car and drive all the time. So the biggest thing I've found to do to find my center is simply take deep breaths in through my nose and then exhale through my mouth, really breathing through my stomach. And I do that until I zen out, right? And maybe it's five breaths, maybe it's 15 Sometimes it's probably 30 if I get myself worked up. But breath is a secret to life. I don't know many of us that are able to not breathe and remain vertical. There's so much gift in your breath, and I would encourage you to tap into that. And when you find your center from that breathing, you can welcome the confusion. I'm Okay, I see you. I see you, confused version of self. Soften your stomach. Smile at it. It'll pass. Clarity then comes next. Because when you get out of the emotional state of feeling inferior, of not knowing an answer, you center and dial back into yourself. It allows you to think from a logical standpoint versus an emotional standpoint. And what would you do if I asked you a question you didn't know the answer to? You'd probably Google it. Or you'd phone a friend. Or you'd find a mentor or someone to help you along the path that had achieved comparable results. You would know exactly what to do to move forward. So that's how we get through the confusion of, I don't know what to do. The next step, right, the next type of fear is that neurotic fear of just saying, I just can't do it. I just, I just can't pull it off. See, from the I just can't, like real fear, like real, real dark fear instantly elicits the fight-or-flight response inside your body. And that fight-or-flight response is triggered by your amygdala, right? Keeps you safe, keeps you protected, reminds you of all the times in life where things didn't go the right way and you got a negative outcome, quote-unquote. I don't believe negative outcomes exist. I believe they're confines of our mind that we create to keep ourselves stuck, but that's another topic for another conversation. That's not where neurotic fear comes from. It's not, it's not derived in the fight or flight. It's not from the amygdala. It actually, this comes from a different part that we actually freeze. It doesn't make us move or shift. The I just can't makes you feel immobilized. And so to overcome this neurotic fear, which is not a fight or flight based response, And thereby, through that, you'd end up overcoming laziness. You just simply have to admit your fear. Allow yourself to feel it. And then take an action towards the fear. It doesn't get much easier than to transcend your fears, neurotic or elsewise. You actually must do exactly what it is that you fear. 
I said, this is going to be very simple. It doesn't mean it's easy to pull off. You've been running these same patterns in your life for years and years and years. And this is nothing more than opening the box of awareness for you in your life. This is shifting your belief about what's possible. So all I'm asking you to do is keep an open mind. And when one of these makes sense to you, implement it. And you have to implement it for more than one or two days. Right? The first 20, 21 days, 22 are going to feel great. Then you get to that 22 to 25 days all the way until 65. You're in this chasm of chaos of not being the new version and still not quite being your old version. You get confused and that's typically where we fall backwards. What's up happening is if you can fight through those days and you can make it to day 90 or so, now this becomes an automatic tendency for you. It actually becomes a automatic response, which is what we're searching for, aren't we? You don't want to feel stuck, confused, quote unquote stupid or lazy. None of us want that. And so as you're listening to this episode, I'm going to encourage you to hop over and take a look at OptimizeLifeShow.com. It is my completely free website that has every one of my episodes completely transcribed with an additional value-added PDF. Why that becomes so impactful is there's a good chance, statistically, that you're not only an auditory learner. Most of us have a visual recognition component. And if you think about it, when you really visualize the things that I share with you, you might pull up a picture of my face on the podcast artwork in your mind. It's much more impactful to go over to the website. Again, it's completely free. Sign up for a username and password. Right, Very, very easy. And then you have access to all the content library that I've ever created. And we're slowly starting to backfill in past work so that you have access to all these trainings, all the tips, tricks, tools, and there's no expense associated with it. Once you've done that, I'm going to encourage you to invest a little bit into yourself. And the best way to invest in yourself that I have found, if it's not working with me, wink, wink, is to actually head over to the humanpotentialinstitute.com. That's humanpotentialinstitute.com forward slash optimize for more information on the incredible work of Dr. Mark Atkinson and his ability to essentially transcend space and time with his trainings, which gets you to become an ICF accredited life coach if it's something you're interested in. ICF is the International Coaching Federation, one of the most prestigious governing bodies for all this craft that is adding value to people's lives. And more importantly, Dr. Mark Atkinson has poured countless hours between himself and his team across almost every continent, developing some of the most impactful 10-month coursework that will completely reframe in your mind what's possible for yourself, even if you don't want to become a coach. The beauty of this is you get tribe and community of like-minded individuals. You get learn-at-your-own-pace training, plus you get once-every-week phone calls. I'm sorry, once-every-other-week. In a group setting where you learn new skills to make you feel better in your life. All that comes from the humanpotentialinstitute.com forward slash optimize. So the next area we're going to look at is your fixed mindset. That's that statement of, I'm afraid I'll fail or look stupid. What's interesting is, if you are an individual with a fixed mindset, which is not my story, but it could obviously be yours. You would then believe that people have their talents, their abilities, intelligence, kind of everything that they need inside themselves, they have it at birth. And from the nature of that, it makes perfect sense that they would end up fearing trying new things. And they fear them because they don't want to look like they lack experience. They always want to look like they're smart or talented. Where the opposite side of that statement is if you are an individual with a growth mindset. And a growth mindset is someone that knows their talents, their abilities, and even their intelligence can be developed consistently through a deliberate practice filled with intentionality. That's inherently what I help people do in one capacity or another all throughout my days. So if you're one of the ones that states, I'm afraid I'll fail or look stupid. 
Acknowledge the fact that you have a fixed mindset. That part of us is inside of each one of us. But from a sense of acknowledgement of a fixed mindset, you can then shift your perspective into realizing that if by nothing more than consuming this podcast, you have to be of growth mindset. If you read anything that changes your perspective online, you have a growth mindset. If you have inspiring conversations that expand the capacity of what you believe to be true, you actually have a growth mindset. So the biggest thing to do when you hear that I'm afraid or I'll fail or I'll look stupid is you're going to have to change your mindset. The next area to dive into is lethargy. And that's that whole statement of I'm a little too tired. I don't have the energy. It's been a long day. This is going to be a little of a brain twister if you've never heard this before. But bear with me. You see, I know that we invest a lot of energy suppressing the lazy part of our subconscious. I have to fight it all day long. But the more we run from it, it actually becomes stronger to our subconscious. So much so that when the majority of us feel lethargic, we go out and pick up caffeine. For years, as I was a custom clothing salesman, traveling long hours, working too much, convincing myself it was the only way forward, I would have a whole passenger seat floorboard full of monster energy drinks or Red Bulls or whatever the, the newest flavor or type of energy consumable product was. And after a while, it stopped working. I didn't even feel the false lift anymore. So back then, with my new sense of awareness, I actually know that when I feel lethargic, I should just accept the fatigue. Isn't that crazy and profound in its own right? That when we resist something, it ends up persisting. So when I resist the fact and say that I'm not actually lazy, I'm not actually tired, it actually gets stronger. But if I would just say, man, I have worked 12 hours a day. I've driven to Chicago and halfway back. I need a a nap. It's okay to accept it. You see, achievers, for the most part, can use less activity and more naps. So we go back to the achiever versus someone that's maybe a little lazy and realize it's inside of both of us. If you're more predisposed to being an achiever, you will get as much as 77% more efficient work done after a 20-minute midday nap. So think about that. The whole hustle grind mentality, you got to work more. You can sleep when you're dead. You shouldn't be tired. You got a good night's sleep last night. What if your body's just telling you, like, time out. I need a couple deep breaths. I need to calm myself down. I need a 20-minute little siesta. It is what it's telling you. That's what you should do. And better yet, you should actually start going to bed a little bit earlier. And you should be sleeping more. There's all types of different studies that have been done about sleep efficiency and the ways to dial that in. Across the board, the average adult American requires somewhere between 7 and 8 hours of true, restful, impactful sleep to fully heal, repair, and ultimately live a longer life. This does not mean that you can't get by on five hours of sleep. This doesn't mean that your life's going to come to an end if you don't sleep enough. What this does mean is over 10, 15, 20 years of studying sleep habits. There's some scientific proof that says we should shut down and relax. And having a large affinity to biohacking and life optimization, sleep is a fascinating phenomenon. Where when you lower the temperature in your room, where you sleep to somewhere below 68 degrees, ideally somewhere between 63 and 68, when you use blackout shades and curtains, When you go to bed within an hour of the time that the sun goes down in your city. When you don't consume food 
90 minutes prior to going to bed. When you don't have any blue light exposure inside of 90 minutes from when you want to go to bed, that's cell phones, iPads, televisions, computers. Then when you have a ritualistic pattern and habit for getting yourself wired into your circadian rhythm, i.e. if you wash your face and brush your teeth and do certain things to have those be a pattern based in your life. And then to make sure you just leave your electronics, anything that's an LED, anything that's a blue light, leave it out of your bedroom. Put it somewhere else. Those things increase the quality of your sleep. It's one thing to sleep for hours. Seven, eight, nine hours. It's a whole nother thing to get restful quality sleep during those hours. If you implement a third of what I just shared with you, you'll start to feel different. But the biggest thing to do if you feel tired, even right now listening to this, is to embrace the fact that you're tired. Just accept it. You're going to have to move beyond and overcome the laziness. It's another reason why we do the cold showers in the morning. Mitochondria efficiency. We're clearing off the dead battery cells. Those you know, charging blocks of our cells that get overutilized and don't hold a full charge anymore. The cold shower pushes those away. And from that standpoint, you find that you have more energy for a longer period of time throughout your day. In another episode, I'll carry into 10 different supplements, maybe 15 that can supercharge your energy, help you with sleep cycles. That's not what this exact episode is going to be about. Just realize you don't have to fight the fact that you're tired. The next standpoint, as far as laziness goes, would be apathy. Right? I just don't care about anything. Now, I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist. I don't have a clinical accreditation behind my name to say that you are something. Right? I think definition is actually the bane of our existence as individuals. Because if we're all one and the same and we're all connected, then how do we need definitions for much of anything? But if we look at apathy as a statement... Apathy ends up being a voice that is tied to a depressive mindset. What's very funny about this is the majority of people that I come across, the majority of clients that I work with, if I say, have you been depressed in the past month? No, no, of course not. Why? Right? It's, it's an instant wall. It's an instant, instant defense mechanism. And I pause for a second. I said, well, before I get into that, I must share with you that I was depressed this week. I came back from Costa Rica after a two-week hiatus there, working on some things at Rhythmia Life Advancement Center. So one of the blue zones in the world. Farm-to-table food, almost perfect circadian rhythm of 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of night. Everything is almost perfect for me. I just felt so at home, so at peace. And I land in Columbus, Ohio at midnight on Sunday. And I know that my workday starts at 10 a.m. Monday. It's not so much that my workday starts. That didn't depress me. I love what I do. I love helping individuals achieve more financial st- stability and success while minimizing the amount of hours they feel they have to work without any fear of their business collapsing if they're not present and focused. I love that. What I don't love is the energy that it feels like Ohio is, right? There was a draw, there was a drain, there was something different here than I had experienced over the past two weeks as I traveled the globe. And so Monday was a massively difficult day for me. I was depressed. I was in a funk. I was down. It took half a day on Tuesday to fight through it. But I'm through it. And I got through it because I welcomed it. You see, achievers, as a generalistic term, very rarely realize or accept the fact they're depressed. We just power through it. But just like with laziness, as we fight it, that depression grows stronger. If you remember nothing else from this show, please remember what we resist will persist. Your brain 100% works that way. 
So instead of powering through it, let's look at the different sources of depression. It's always where I start with my clients, where I started with me. Like, why do I feel this way? Why am I feeling off right now? Well, I felt it, it's the first thing I go through with a client is, are you doing too many things outside of your interest? Right? Are you off of your true course? Are you in alignment with what your ultimate purpose is? So much with the entrepreneurs that I work with, they got into business to make money and the business itself doesn't really provide purpose. And that's okay. We don't have to shut down that business, but we have to make sure that our cups have enough space in them for a little bit of purpose-based fulfillment so we understand why we're doing all that we're doing. And what happens a lot of time right, is we become disinterested in what brings us an income. And so we end up confusing disinterest with laziness. It's just not really a true statement. They're different things. And one of the easiest things to do when you hear that voice saying you just don't care about anything is to end up connecting with that ideal version of yourself. Again, I have every client go through a massive goal-setting exercise that takes hours to complete. It's not for the faint of heart, but it gets us incredibly clear on exactly why we play the game of life the way that we're about to start playing it. And when people feel depressed that I work with, I have them literally go back and revert to their goal-setting worksheet where they see, like, what, what are the 12 areas of life? Why am I playing this game? When I'm the best version of myself, I will be doing insert here. Create the mental picture of it. Tied to a heightened sense of emotion. Spend time looking at it each day. Spend time feeling it each day. Spend time then in action towards that every day. Those things are the quickest ways to shift away from depression and apathy. They're also the quickest ways to actually bring about the change that you want. It's incredible about tying emotions to visual imagery and a heightened sense of awareness can do for the outcome of your life. Now I want to talk about regret, right? That regret ends up being the conversations in your head of, I'm too old to get started. It's just too late in life. I got to break it for you. If you're an adult, if you're above 18, having regrets are just part of adulthood. It's how it works. But see, regret only holds us back when we don't allow ourselves to grieve for the things that didn't go the way we wanted them to go, i.e. the past. See, the I'm too old or it's too late are just voices of beliefs. They're not actually truths. They are excuses not to get started right now. Right? If I wanted to plant a tree, the absolute best time I could have done it would be about 20 years ago. Maybe a little bit longer, right? But in 20 years, it certainly would be able to provide additional oxygen and do all the great things the trees do for us. But the second best time to plant one is this exact moment. And so that requires the right now. But that's true for all of life. So when you hear the voice that says, I'm too old to get started, it's too late, it's, it's not my time. You have to feel that sense of loss from any time in your past in which that had been your truth and simply begin to let it go. And letting go of that regret can be the fastest way to overcome this type of laziness. And if it's not that type of laziness, maybe your is more identity-based. I'm just a lazy person. I don't listen to podcasts. I consume content. I just, I can't seem to really do anything with it. See, when you hear the voice that says, I'm just a lazy person, it's just a lazy part of your subconscious that's hijacked you. But when you're centered, you're neutral. Right? So you go back to the breathing exercises or things to get you dialed into that greatest sense of self. At that point, when you're neutral, you'd stop using definitions. You're not lazy or an achiever. You just are. You simply can be. My friend, if you haven't heard this before, you are truly an infinite creator. The only limit that exists on your life is a limit that is self-imposed by you. You can achieve anything that you want to achieve. If your mind can see it, your body can achieve it. Certainly didn't coin any of these phrases. They've been told all the way from Napoleon Hill up until the present day. 
probably even before that. But yet we put caps and ceilings on what we're capable of doing. We come up with reasons as to why success eludes us. Instead of consistently being focused on taking just one incremental step towards it. You are one of a kind. You are from a source that is greater than us. I will go as far as to say you are from God and the God is everywhere and God is everything and God can be whatever you want him or her to be. But if that is the case and you're from the infinite and you're here for a momentary amount of time, you are a spiritual being having a human existence that might last as long as a hundred years, which is not even a blip on the radar of the time of eternity. Then you will go from infinite to human to infinite once again. And so then you are the majority of your life energy that is capable of infinite things. There's energy all around us. You are actually energy. That's what you are. So when you can acknowledge that, and then you can just step aside. You can ask that version of you just to go away. Right? There's a couple of different strategies for this. More angled toward those with more of a masculine energy. There's something called the fuck you strategy. And when the lazy version of yourself, to me it used to be when my alarm clock would go off at 4.30 in the morning. My instant thing would be, eh, I'm just going to press snooze. That's no big deal. I can sleep in a little bit longer. That worked until I verbally said out loud, fuck you, to the little version of myself. Then it was not only humorous that I was cursing in bed at 4.30 in the morning, but my wife certainly didn't enjoy it either, which gave me plenty of fuel for the fire to get out of bed. Now, if you're a little more attached to the feminine side of your energy, which is just as beautiful, actually probably even more beautiful, as I believe that the divine feminine is the creator of all life everywhere, which would then in my belief system make the energy source that is God have a feminine energy to her, to it. But if you're more base in the feminine, we would have to start to look at things like welcoming the small version of yourself, imagining it as a child, a petulant child that's throwing a temper tantrum, and you're able to say, hey, I see you, you're here, you're in my hands, I'm going to put you in your crib, and when I walk out the door, you're going to be quiet and go away. And physically, to move that little version of self out of your life. See, you can express laziness. You can have moments in which you don't feel like you're firing on all cylinders, but that amount of expression never defines who you ultimately are. It's just a moment in time. And from that point, we zig and zag over to shame, right? Where you would say, I shouldn't be so lazy. Shame is another part of us that teams up with laziness. And shame and guilt to me are the two most frustrating emotions that we all have. They don't really exist. The only place that shame and guilt really exists is in our mind. And they exist there because we're comparing ourselves to what we believe other people think we should be. You shouldn't ever carry shame and guilt for things that you've done because they're all part of a grand orchestration that's larger than you can see. If you step far enough away from any picture, any moment in time, any painful experience... It's actually perfect. And if it's perfect in its totality, then why would you feel shame or guilty for it? See, shameful thoughts and feelings ensure that a part of the less driven side of you stays in control. Because shame and self-criticism always end up reinforcing undesirable behaviors. And if that ends up being the truth, then self-compassion would enable us to take responsibility and ultimately establish different behaviors. You see, being lazy is okay. It actually doesn't mean anything about you. Every one of us, including me, has a lazy part. You're just not alone. We're all mirrors for one another. Sometimes overcoming the laziness that sits inside of you is as simple as accepting that it's just a part of you. It's just there. There's a secret key to really getting past laziness. And that comes from the fact that we have to consider the fact that we've had people judge us for our laziness at some point in life. But from that place of judgment, we could also then assume whoever judged us was denying their lazy part and protecting it 
and then projecting it onto us. Now, in that moment in time, of course, we didn't know what was happening. So we felt shame and guilt for our laziness. But if you're aware of the shame and guilt, it's pretty easy to resolve it. Now, I say it's easy. I probably should have said simple. Because the majority of us that I come across, maybe not you, but the majority lack a true level of emotional intelligence and depth to navigate through these emotions. That's what the show's all about, is increasing awareness of what's possible. So instead, instead of addressing it internally, we do the same thing to other people. We cut ourselves off from our lazy part, and we judge others for their laziness. And rather than fighting with the lazy part, the way to get through it is actually to embrace it. Have an internal dialogue with your lazy part. Get to know it a little bit. Get to know where it came from. Welcome it. Allow it to be. Whether we want it or not, I can assure you that lazy part is in you. And if you don't want to become friends with the lazy part, you should at least focus on becoming neutral with it. So how would you know if you befriended your lazy part? Be a normal question. I can almost hear you right now. The easiest way to know if you've befriended this part is you won't be hard on yourself when this part takes over. You also won't end up criticizing other people that have this little laziness streak to them. Instead, what you'll find yourself doing is having compassion for them and you'll understand their inner battle. Rather than placing and projecting shame and guilt and criticism on ourselves or on others, you end up practicing self-acceptance and self-compassion. See, people across the board that have self-compassion are far more likely to take personal responsibility than those who criticize, especially if you criticize yourself. What normally happens when I share this, and what happened when I shared it with the group of individuals on our Wednesday life optimization group call, was there's almost thing of like, okay, if I welcome it, and I greet it, and I accept it's part of me, can it take over? Am I like opening the door to allow a crazy person to run around? No, right? The fear of laziness taking over actually drives achievers to fight against it. And although some people exert a strong will against their lazy part, for, the, for most people, the lazy part wins. But that's exactly why habits, willpower, and motivation are popular topics in self-improvement and in psychology. But don't be too hard on yourself because self-criticism will lead to just additional poor behavior. You actually need self-compassion to inspire positive growth. Ultimately, both laziness and overachieving are signs of mental imbalance. So to define someone as an overachiever at an extreme level and to define someone as being lazy at an extreme level, both are signs of mental imbalances. And every time with a mental imbalance, especially as it pertains to this, the imbalance lies in repressed emotions and conditioned behaviors from our tribe or our social circle. Operating from either end of this spectrum is not a sign of self-leadership or even mature adulthood. See, as mature adults, we have to start accepting limitations and then be kind to ourselves and not accept limitations in the fact of what is possible for you, but accept limitations in the fact that there are none. Our job is to bring the internal opposing forces into balance inside of our own lives. That ends up being a truism for everything. The reason we're here is to find harmonious balance, the yin and the yang, as above as below, positive and negative, the sum, tum, sum zero total theory of life. But we fight things. We don't want to be defined by things that we think have negative connotation. And one of the things that I found with almost every person, especially in modern day society, especially in what goes on right now, is that we struggle to overcome laziness because we never allow ourselves to just be 100% lazy. When laziness persists, persist, laziness will persist when we resist it. 
And even if we give in to it, if we aren't aware of the shame or guilt that's associated with it, a part of us internally just keeps resisting and judges our laziness. That's why it never goes away. Truly lazy people shouldn't hold any muscular strain because of holding tension. And lazy people don't like effort. Lazy people shouldn't have shallow breathing because it too is a sign of holding tension. Relax into your lazy part so you can breathe deeply from your belly. I mean, I guess babies end up being kind of lazy too, right? They breathe from their stomachs. Embrace your lazy part. Experience deep, true, peaceful rest, perhaps for the first time ever. Your body, your subconscious, your psyche will all thank you for it eventually. We don't need to sedate ourselves. I don't believe that's what we're here for. Overeating, overindulging in food, pornography, alcohol, sex, whatever it would be, is all signs of fighting something greater. It's one of the reasons many of us struggle with impulse control so much. There's a certain power that's associated with doing nothing. But doing nothing has to come down to a very important distinguishing factor between doing nothing and avoiding responsibility. So I would say, as you're listening, this is polarizing right now because there's a cultural bias exists that says doing nothing is lazy, it's slothful, it's a seven deadly sin. Like, you shouldn't be lazy. I would question that. Is it really? See, meditation... Not exactly positive on this, but I think it was introduced to the U.S. on a grander scale sometime in the 50s or 60s. At that point, from the sense of awareness that most psychologists had, it was actually believed to be a form of escapism. How crazy is that? Taking 20 minutes to center yourself was considered in the 50s or 60s to be a form of escaping what was going on. But now with the help of neuroscience, we know that is so far from true. Mindfulness solutions or mindfulness practices actually provide a solution to our obsession with busyness. So meditation actually matters. Meditation is one of the daily rituals and habits that I require a consistency with, with every client across the board. Because I can see statistically, when you stop meditating, when you stop holding time and space for yourself, I can track almost to the moment where your productivity and efficiency decreases. Meditation becomes a non-negotiable when you see the power in it. Because you start to understand from that sense of meditation that you're actually doing nothing, and so... You end up observing yourself in the environment. That's all you're doing. That allows you to start to gain new perspective and see things differently. It also allows you to experience sensations and emotions more deeply and adds new texture and dimension to your life. Sure. You can say, well, that's not really how it works, Ryan. There's there's nothing to show for it. There's no quote-unquote achievement. It's only important to one part of us. And we're not defined by this part. Where there's truth in that, there's also the opposite of that. You don't need something to show for everything. Everything that we seek is actually internal. Every solution, every question that you have ever had is actually found internal. Even in hearing these words, there's nothing I'm saying that's so profound that it's shattering your your belief in humanity. There's a good chance that most of what I say, you're like, yeah, I already knew that. Where did I hear that from? I think it's just ingrained in you. So instead of trying to do more or be more or achieve a heightened level of success, consider accepting yourself just as you are right now. Now, this is an incredibly simple task, but it is far from easy. But in the long run, what happens is when you start to dial into that version of yourself, personal attacks won't lead to any sort of actual meaningful change for you. It only creates a stronger ego and more self-hatred about what you are not as a comparative measure. Having your own customized personal development plan on self-acceptance instead of self-criticism will make all of the difference in your life for overcoming laziness. This is a clear-cut conversation of simply starting where you are.
for all this information, for a rundown of everything I just shared, please do yourself a favor. Head over to OptimizeLifeShow.com. Download this resource. It is truly impactful. Also do me a favor. Leave me a, a review. Inside of iTunes specifically, if you're consuming this content, iTunes gives massive weight to what reviews look like. And whether it's just a five-star re review or you could go as far as writing a review, if you gain any benefit or value from anything I've shared, it would mean the world to me. The things that I share are lessons that I have learned myself over the course of my life. There's studying I have done. There's books that I've read. I'm bringing to you my version of what I have found to be true. Acknowledgement of that so others can find it as well is one of the greatest gifts you can leave going forward. And I'm Ryan Nidell, wishing you truly unlimited success.